Hello, and welcome to the Agape House of Worship weekly podcast. Through this podcast, we hope and pray that you will be equipped and empowered to live the life that God has planned for you. If you are blessed by this message and would like more information, please visit our website at www.agapehousenj.org. Thank you and God bless. Your word is powerful. Your word is sharper than any two-edged sword. Your word can go to the deepest part of our hearts. Your word can bring healing, comfort. Your word can bring deliverance. And I pray that your word will be spoken with power today, will be spoken with life and with grace, and will cause the desired effect in our lives. Thank you because you've answered our prayer. In Jesus' name, we have prayed. I'm going to start my message today from John chapter 6. Uh, I've been debating how to start. I always like to have a nice introduction that gets you interested. But I think this is a very powerful introduction here in John chapter 6. Uh, a very, very captivating story uh, about the interaction between Jesus and some of the people that he was ministering to. So I would like you to please go to John chapter 6. I'm going to read from verse 24. Uh, This is the crowd. Jesus, the people who followed Jesus were described, you know, by many words. You know, the disciples, you know, there were, you know, their disciple, which is the 12, they're called the apostle. But there are bigger brother disciples. I mean, I think uh, the Bible says there were up to 500 of them that could be termed disciples. Those people who followed him more regularly. And also you have the crowd. You know, crowd are the people who just love this charismatic guy in town. And whenever they have time, you know, they will just go and see him. Whenever they just hear that, oh, man, he's, in, he's downtown. You know, and there's a lot of crowd and they all show up there. You know, I mean, those are the crowd. And, and some of them were just, just following really out of amazement. It's not because they really believe per se. Uh, some of them might do, but they were not necessarily people that were committed to follow him. So the story here goes as the crowd, uh, Jesus was ministering. He did some wonderful things, performed miracles. He, you know, in this particular, particular case, he actually fed 5,000. I know, I mean, which is incredible. I mean, just following a guy, you know, that is doing some magic downtown, and you just show up there, you follow him, and... Uh, all of a sudden, he just, uh, you know, provided their food for everybody. That's, like, that's amazing. And, uh, and they ate. And Jesus left. And he went to the other side, you know, of the, of the, of the river. They, you know, divided by the river. And he went to the other side. And so we pick up from verse 24. Once the crowd realized that neither Jesus nor his disciples now, which are the people who followed him regularly, were there. They got into the boat and went to Capernaum in search for Jesus. So they went and looked for him. Uh, And when they found him, verse 25, on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Then verse 26, Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, you are looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves 
and you add your fill. Verse 27, do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him God the Father had placed his seal of approval. Hallelujah. You know, I've been a born-again believer since 1991. That's a long ways. I think, uh, you know, longer than some of you were born. All right? But there's something I've experienced over my journey, uh, you know, working with Jesus, meeting with a lot of believers in churches, uh, in Nigeria, where I spent the first 25 years of my life, and in America, we have spent uh, over 20 years. People seek God when they are in need. Even people who don't claim to really care for God normally, when they push come to shove, right, they go after God. When there's challenge in their life that no other person can solve, when they need him, loss of job, health crisis, barrenness, they are afraid for their life. I mean, they think things are just not going well. People really go after God. When they feel attacked by the enemy, when they feel like things really, are really people become serious seekers of God. And it begs the question, it begs the question, why don't people always seek him, even when those conditions weren't there? And that's really what I want to really challenge you about today. How about if we are always serious with God, like we were in those times? You know, people will really go to night vigils, they will pray, they will buy prayer book, they will travel long distances to go and to go to this program, go to this man of God. I mean, they will wake up in the middle of the night. They will do all those things when there is a critical need in their life. But when those needs go, you know, we just go back to normal. And Jesus was trying to go to the heart of this question in dealing with these people. He was trying to challenge them. These people, on the face of it, appear like they, were, they really, really wanted to become disciples, right? I mean, you know, so they, they really went, they got into the boat, they went to the other side, and they, and they almost challenged him. When did you get here? You know, they appeared to be like they were really interested in him. They appeared to be that they, they were really, they are stepping it up. And Jesus said, I know you. You're not seeking me because of the signs. Now, the way Jesus used sign here is in context of what signs were meant to do. Jesus wasn't really, Jesus used sign here in the context of what sign. You know, when you see sign, sign were never a, an end in itself, right? If you're traveling to, uh, if you're traveling to anywhere and you see a sign that points to the destination. You don't just park your car and say, praise God, I'm there, right? You know, signs were not and are not end in themselves, right? Signs point us to the destination. So Jesus is using the word, 
you didn't come to me because those signs point you to me. You know, so the, way, the reason why Jesus performed signs was not just for signs and wonder's sake, right? The reason why God does things is not just for those things' sake, right? I don't want you to just seek me for signs. Seek me for those things or seek those things, really. Now, I did that so that you can now seek me. So Jesus said, you know, you didn't come here because of the signs. No, you came here for the food. But, you know, I want to really change your motivation. I want to change your motivation. It's better for you. Yeah, it's a good start. I want to say it's a good start. But good starts are just starts. I want you to begin to now work for food that don't spoil, that, they, you know, just things they don't last. They are not meant for eternity. They don't last forever. They are just temporary things. God will do those things, right? I want you to go for the food that endures to eternal life, which is the Son of Man. I want you to seek me, for me. Wow. I mean, that's... That conversation went on and on. If you really read the whole chapter, I mean, these people, after a while, they say, you know, we can't take this anymore. This guy has changed the game, right? He changed this whole thing, confused us. Then Jesus started talking about, seek me. I am the bread. All right? I am the real bread. That bread I gave you, that's just to tease you. That's just to whet your appetite. The real bread is here. And in fact, except you eat this bread and drink this blood, you don't have eternal life. So you say, you know what? Leave this guy. He likes stories. He likes those things. I mean, and they all left him. And that is kind of how many of us are. If you look into the scriptures, there are two kinds of seekers, or even look at our lives. And there are two metaphors that are used generally in the scripture. There are people who seek the face of God. And there are people who seek the hand of God. And that's my challenge today. Are you just seeking his hand? Or are you seeking his face? That's a scripture. I mean, and the face of God, before I go into the scripture, really, seeking the face is, is used figuratively in the scripture to represent the presence or the very person of God. Right? People who want his face. So face describes the personhood of God, his presence. People will just want to look at his face. And in Psalm 27 verse 8, this is God talking. The psalmist was trying to play with words here. And he said, when you said, in fact, I want all of us to read it together. Let's read it. One go. When you said, seek my face, my heart said to you, your face, Lord, I will seek. So this is, the psalmist now talking to God to say, yes, you said seek my face. And generally, that's what you will hear God say. You know, when you said seek my face, and he said my heart said to you, Lord, your face I will seek. I want you to say it, Lord, I will seek your face. What is in seeking God's face? Seeking God's face, like I said, is really seeking his person. Seeking him, his person, his personality, and his presence. 
Second Corinthians 3.18 says, We all, who with an unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. It is from the face of God that we, from seeking God's face, that we truly experience transformation, glorification. You know, that we become like him. God is more interested in you than the car you drive, than the clothes you wear, than the job you have, than the bling bling, than all those things. As much as he really loves you to enjoy them, now he doesn't want them to become what you seek. Hallelujah. And uh, the popular prayer that we always pray, that's where it comes from. Numbers chapter 6 verse 25. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So when the Bible uses the face of God, he's talking about the presence of God, the person of God. You know, he's talking about seeking that, seeking identification with God. Because really, that is the heart of our relationship with him. On the other hand, there is the hand of God. All right? The hand of God. The f- seeking the face of God simply means we desire to know him. We desire intimacy with him. We desire to be closer to him. But seeking his hands, the hands figuratively represent his power and his works. And this is used several times, over a hundred times in the Bible. The hand of God. It represents the power of God. It represents the works of God. It sometimes also represents the workings of God. You know, that God makes things with his hand, right? He creates things with his hand. Hallelujah. I'll give you an example. Psalm 144 verse 7 says, Stretch your hand from above. Rescue me and deliver me out of great waters. All right, so he's praying here. Where usually, when people are asking for the hand of God, they are asking for God to intervene on their behalf. Right? You are faced with the enemy. You are saying, "Lord, we need your hand." In fact, a lot of times, sometimes the Bible will use the right hand of God. The right hand of God is a hand of deliverance. Deliverance is the hand of power. Or the Bible will say, "The hand of the Lord is upon this person." That means God's power is upon so, 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 and so. Amen. Even in the New Testament, in Acts chapter 4, verse 30, the disciples prayed, and I, you, know, you know I love that prayer where they say, stretch your hand and heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your servant, Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. So there is the face seekers, people who seek the face, and there is the hand seekers. People who just seek the hand of God. God is saying, look at my face. And they are saying, look, what we want is your hand. All right? Now, the hand of God is powerful. The hand of God, we need him. We need his deliverance. We need his salvation. But God does not want us to be primarily hand seekers. 
God wants us to be people who primarily seek his face. He does, just want us, he does not want us to just seek him because of some breakthroughs we're looking for, something else going on in our lives. You know, we have challenge, we have problems. Then we're all gung-ho about him. Because God knows people who primarily seek his hand usually will stop seeking him when those needs are met. They turn back or they slow down once they obtain what they are looking for. And a great example is describing the, the life of Moses and the children of Israel. And David points out in, in Psalm 103, in one of his poems, inspired by the Holy Spirit, he said, he made known his ways to Moses and his acts to the children of Israel. You know, just praising God, he's talking about how God is great. And he said, God made his ways known unto Moses and the children of Israel, his act. Why? Moses sought the ways of God. The children of Israel only sought the hand of God. They never really desired intimacy. In fact, times when they were offered intimacy, they said, no, 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 it's too costly. Moses said, oh, let's go to the mountain. The mountain started shaking. I said, oh, no, no, Moses, just go. We'll stay at the bottom of the mountain. Well, you know, don't worry. Whatever God tells you, just, just let us know. All right? In fact, before Moses returned, they were worshiping idols. That's what happened when people stay at the bottom. They don't go up to the mountain. So God, but Moses just didn't experience God's face. He sought God's face. I mean, we know even he actually, God said, you can't truly see my face. You can't see it in real life. Anybody that sees my face is dead. But I'm still going to show you something. Hallelujah. And let's see how it happened. If I, let's go to Exodus chapter 33 and try to, you know, let's read it. Exodus chapter 33 from verse 18. Then Moses said, show me your glory. The word glory there simply means your face. Show me your face. And the Lord said, I will cause my goodness to pass in front of you, and I will proclaim my name, my name, the Lord in your presence. I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But he said, you cannot see my face, for no one may see me and live. But God said, you know what, I will still show you something something close. Now we can see his face, by the way. Under the new covenant, we can behold his face. Praise the name of Jesus. So look at, look at Moses. So Moses got to really experience God. He knew it is in seeking his face that he knew the ways of God. And children of Israel, what they really sought was God just, we're hungry, God just provide us food. No, we are, str- we, are, we, are, we, are, we are stranded by the Red Sea. God, we need you. You know, oh, this is going on. We don't have water. God, we need water. All right? That God, because of his mercy, of his grace, we always come through. But many of them never even made it. They didn't make it. They never, they never, God, God the Bible says God was never pleased with them. God was never pleased with the Israelites because 
what they, they limited their seeking to just the hand of God. And you know what tends to happen? People who just seek the hand of God end up depending on people who seek the face of God to get the blessing of God. Right? Isn't that what you do? That's what we do. We look for something that, someone that we know is really serious with God. Isn't that what we do? We think, you know what, let me not be serious with God. After all, why, why should I be serious? Why should I really go in the morning, wake up very early, and why should I study my Bible? Why should I really, you know, have prayer time, you know, go to this program, this conference, become a serious Christian? Why should I inconvenience my life to do all that? Then you are a mess. You're like, you know what? I wonder who has been seeking God very well. That I can go to to minister to me, to pray for me, to do this for me. Isn't that how we think? That's how the enemy manipulates us. You know, it's lies that we believe. Somehow, we have led ourselves to believe being serious with God is really not good for us. And I don't know where that came from. That if I'm so serious with God then I'm missing out on life. What life? Life of crisis, life of unfulfillment, life of this. That's what you want. You just want that life. That life of when I'm in crisis, I just go for him. But after crisis, you know what? Let me go back to my normal life. But that normal life is really an abnormal life because that's not the kind of life God wants for you. Praise the name of Jesus. So our motivation must change. The difference between faith seekers and hand seekers is really the motivation. Now, most of us will start by being hand seekers. That's, that's clear. There's no, many of us will come to faith because of some problem, some challenges, something going on in our life, and we need him. Many of us have had time in our life where what brought us close to him was because we are going through. You know, we are going through challenges, stuff happening in our life, and we say, God, I need you. Yeah, God, and God comes through, but what God expects is to switch from just being hand seekers to faith seekers. To progress, to get to the place where it is not just about those blessings, you know, God coming in through for us, you know, God, you know, stepping in, God fighting for us. It's not just about that. It's about changing our motivation to not just those things. God becomes the motivation. And that's what Jesus was telling the people. I must become the reason you seek me. I, I am the bread. The psychology uses, they use the word, uh, uh, when, they, when, when we talk about my motivation, they use the word, the two words is intrinsic motivation and intrinsic motivation, right? Those of us who raise children, we've had to grip, uh, deal with this, right? How do I motivate my child to do chores, to do homework? Do I use extrinsic or do I use intrinsic? 
Whether you use those words or not, right? It doesn't really matter. Yeah, you probably don't use those words. Yeah, but, but we try to use, when we, when we use intrinsic, we are, we are trying to use external things, right? Extrinsic is, it occurs when we are motivated to perform a behavior or engage in an activity to earn a reward or to avoid punishment. Usually when someone is being motivated by intrinsic things, that means the reason why they are making those decisions, the reason why they are doing what they are doing is simply because there's a reward there. Or if I don't do it, there's a punishment there. That becomes external. Right? People who are motivated by intrinsic things uh, is a motivation that involves engaging in a behavior because it is personally rewarding, right? We perform those activities for its own sake rather than some external reward. For example, many of us will study so hard to pass an exam, right? Many people say, oh, I don't read. I don't like reading. You know, but of course, you are faced with an exam, you read like crazy. I mean, you get those books, you read, you read, simply because you are being motivated intrinsically, right? Now, wouldn't it be better to become people who now love knowledge? Not necessarily because, oh, that will increase my pay, you know, that will make me pass an exam. God really wants us to become people who just love knowledge. God doesn't want us to, be people, to become people who just read because we have to read. Oh, yeah, now I have to really do my devotion because, God, ah, God, I am really looking for a job. I really need you to come through for me. Then I'm waking up. And once that thing is done, you're like, you know what, I'm done. This hospital mentality that we have with God, right? Hospital. I mean, when I'm sick, I go there. I don't go to the hospital when I'm not sick. Who goes to the hospital when they're not sick? Right? Except people who walk there, right? I don't need to be there. No, God is, God, God is not building a hospital. Church is not a hospital. No, no, no. Church is where we get our source of life. What is shared here is life. The words that I speak, they are spirit. They are life. What you are receiving is life. It strengthens you. It makes you a better person. It makes you closer to God. It gets you to where you need to be. And that is why we do it. Praise the name of Jesus. Now, people who are hand seeker are people who are motivated by intrinsic outcomes, things. But faith seekers have been able to move to being motivated by intrinsic. We must shift. Now, really, when you look at the scripture, God doesn't have problem with us being motivated by intrinsic things, right? After all, there are so many promises in the Bible that God gives to us, right? In fact, Hebrews 11.6 says he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So, yes, if you look at the scripture, you're going to see a lot of promises. God, if you do this, if you obey me, I will be there with you, you know, if you give, I will open. You know, if you tithe, I will open the windows of heaven. If you do that, I will do this. If you commit yourself to me, I will do this. There are a lot of promises in the Bible 
that tend to make it live look like no God just care about intrinsic things, intrinsic things rather. No, but God, that's really those are reward. Those are things that God wants to do in our life. He doesn't want that to become the primary reason when we're seeking. Now, there's an interesting story that I would like us to read in Genesis chapter 15. Genesis chapter 15, if you can go there, uh, if you can really go there in the scripture, that will be good because I will read a few verses, uh, presentation. I'll read a few verses. All right, so if you can go there. After this, hallelujah, this is what happened before. That's Genesis chapter 15. Abraham had gone to rescue Lot. You know, Abraham had received promises. He'd gone, to, he's gone here to rescue Lot, and he came back, and he was down. You know, Abraham had this moment where he had a promise. That promise wasn't coming through. You know, he's fired up. Then there are times when he just sit down, you know, many of us, right? You just sit down, you start thinking, you're like, when is God going to do this? And you're just down. So he was suffering one of those moments. That's why I think Abraham is such a good father of faith because he wasn't always in faith. He had his moment of doubt, right? He wasn't, you know, he's straight. He had this moment where God had to reach out to him. God had to encourage him. So it was one of those moments, and God came to him. And that's why lovers won here. And God decided to up the game a little bit. You know, God started Abraham by giving him really an intrinsic uh, reward. I will make you a great nation. I will make you this. I will bless you through you, all the nations of the... But that wasn't doing it enough for Abraham. That wasn't... You know, that wasn't doing it. And God decided, you know what? Let me take him to the next level of motivation. I want you to say next level. So what I want to do is to take you to the next level of innovation. I mean, uh, motivation. Look at verse 1. He says, after this, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abraham. I am your shield and your great reward. I am your great reward. That's a shift, isn't that? Isn't that a shift? I am your great reward. That looks like what Jesus was trying to tell those people, right? <laughs> I am the bread. That bread that I fed you with, that's, that's teasing. That's just appetizer. That's just... To, to, to show you what is possible. Jesus said, do you eat bread? It's me. You got to seek me for me. You got to become face seekers, not just hand seekers. So God lifted Abraham to the next level. And he said, I am your reward. I am not just your rewarder. Big difference. You know, we see God as rewarder. God is saying, no, 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 no. I am the reward. I am enough. Hallelujah. But you know, like many of us, Abraham really didn't get it. I mean, it just, it's like, yeah, 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 yeah. That's a great message. And he said, sovereign Lord, 
what can you give me? Since I remain childless, and one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus. So that's his worry. That's why he was down. You know, he was down because he was thinking. I mean, God never told him that. He just made up that story. You know, Eliezer was the head of his servants. And he's like, you know what? He's thinking, so I'm, going, I'm just going to die one day now. Oh, this Eliezer guy, oh, my God. God help me. He's going to clean up all these things. He's going to just, he's going to clean up the house, kick everybody out. I don't, I don't even think Sarah can undo him. The guy is so powerful. And he's just going to take all my stuff. And he's, oh, 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 God. Oh, God. Isn't that what happened to us? We start thinking and projecting, you know, his traumatic disorder, not post now. It's, it's, <laughs> we create the trauma first. Isn't that what we do? We create the trauma. We just imagine the trauma and we just break down. And God said, Come on, Abraham. I am the reward. I am the reward. And that's the message I have for you today. That for many of us here, you, just re- you can relate with us. You get into that zone every once in a while. You're just tired. You're tired. You're stressed. You're down. You know, it looks like this promise you've waited enough. You've waited. It's not just coming through. All those things I've been believing God for. Oh, my God, it's June. Oh, all those lists. Oh, my God, this list hasn't been completed. I prayed those prayer in January. Oh, my God, I only have six months. You know, I thought by now this will have happened, and that is messing you up. And you are going into that zone, Abraham was. And you are stressing over what could be. God said, I'm your reward. That's my word for you. God said, I am. I am not just your rewarder. I am the reward. I am the price. I am the reward. And I, I, there's a song I listened to by, I think, uh, uh, William McDowell, and it was in one of his intro. I mean, he has great intro. I mean, any of us listen to William McDowell. He's one of the best when it comes to just raising the stake, introducing the song, and he just, and it just was, it was about the lead worship, and he said, you know, we think reward of worship. And he said, the reward of worship is God. It's not blessing, it's God. God is, God is. The reward is God. And I want to get you to a place where the price is God. The reward is God. And when he becomes the price and the reward, his hand is yours. But you know what you have solved by really shifting your gear? You have solved yourself from the enemy's manipulation. The enemy's lies. You see, when it is about the hands, the enemy has a way of playing that game with you. Playing that game. And for some of us, I I suspect God is even trying to strip you of those things to really purify you so you become God-seeker for real. 
So you become people who seek God for God. Because really, our heart is desperately wicked. You know, we always start by saying we seek God, but really we seek things. We seek what he can do. You know, we just think God, you know, God, really, you're just, you know, you're just supposed to be Santa. You're just to be this God that just does this for me. You know, I'm supposed to just do a few things and you just press things for me. God, you're just supposed to. And God said, no, 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 that's not why. Yeah, I've done some great things, but I want you to seek me for me. And when you start doing that, that's the beginning of breakthrough for Abraham. That's the beginning of breakthrough. And everything came to circle. I want the choir to lead us in a worship song, Christ is Enough. I would like the worship team rather to come. It's a song I love, Christ is Enough by Hillsong. And I, and I, each time I listen to that song, it, it brings this message. And I want us to get to that place where it's enough. I want you to say, Christ is enough. Christ is enough. I would like, I'd like us to rise up. We're going to sing that song and we're going to end with prayer. Because I believe this message will resolve a lot of strife, a lot of challenges going on in your life. And it's going to take you to a place where you're experiencing more than ever before in your life. Thank you, Lord Jesus.
are the bread. You are the price. You are not just my rewarder. You are the reward. And I want to seek your face. Because I know every other thing comes with it. I want to become a single-handedly God-seeker. I want you to just pray that prayer. I want you to just pray that prayer. I know there are some of us, this is so applicable to you. I mean, you have even begun to question yourself, question your faith, question whatever God lo loves you, cares for you. God is telling you now, I do. And I'm the reward. I need you to put your eyes off those things and focus it on me. Thank you, Father. We give you praise. I want to pray for someone here. If you're here, you have not known Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. And you want to say, Pastor, please pray for me. I don't want you to leave this service without having a personal encounter with him. While our eyes are closed, please, just, just wave your right hand. Just wave your right hand. If you're there, you want to say, you know, I want Jesus to be my personal Lord. I'll give you 30 seconds or 20 seconds. You don't have a lot of time. But I want to encourage you, please, stretch that hand, this right hand. And i like to just pray with you. You want to say, Christ, I want you all. I want to be all in. All in. Praise God. We are all saved here. Lord, Father, thank you for your word. Holy Spirit, I just commit this word to you and I pray that you will interpret it explain it more and teach everyone here to apply it wherever is needed in our lives I come against every misinterpretation every lie of the enemy every confusion of the enemy and I pray Holy Spirit you will take over and teach us how to become not just hearers but doers of this word thank you because you've answered our prayer in Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen. God bless you.